Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture. It's me, Damian Mason. You already knew that. It said so in the introduction. Got a great show for you today because I got a great guest. This is a guy that I have worked with on the road. That's right. He has done speaking engagements at conferences that I have also been to to deliver programs. His name is Bruce Vincent. He is the owner of Vincent Logging in Montana. He's also a timber and environmental community activist. He communicates uh, about the business of forestry and logging and timber, and he also helps others that are in that business work through legislative hurdles. We're going to be talking about the forest fires and the reality, and we're going to talk about timber as an agricultural product because it is. Before we get to my man, Bruce, I want to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Harvest Profit. If you don't know about Harvest Profit, you should. It's a software solution that can help your agricultural enterprise run more profitably. The inputs, the outputs, the farm management, the the bills, all the stuff you have to do, you need software to help you run your enterprise. This ain't Ma and Paul Kettle, right? It's your business. So have the software that helps your business be all that it can. Check out harvestprofit.com and they can even give you a 14-day free trial. All right, Bruce Vincent, welcome to the Business of Agriculture. Good to be here. Good to see you, Damien. All right. So you and I have worked on the same uh, events a couple of times, and then I'm I'm reading about the um, reading about the uh, the forest fires, and the more I read about, it, the angrier I become because every crisis that a politician can exploit, particularly if it's a politician that leans a certain direction, uh, the crisis then has to then be used. You and I have a lot in agreement on this whole thing. So. First off, before we talk about all the forest fire stuff, and then we talk about agriculture product of timber, because a lot of my people are listening are like cranberries, corn, soybeans, canola, and they're like, wait a minute, I never thought about timber. Well, hell yes, it's an extremely important uh, agricultural product, and uh, we're going to get to all that. We have, we, have, we have one important thing in common, and that's why the, the folks in ag, the rest of agriculture should be watching what's happening very closely because we only operate with the consent of the public, a social license. And the timber industry's social license began to be debated about 30 years ago. And we'll talk about how that's gone. But the, the license of agriculture, particularly production agriculture, but agriculture in general, anything that has to do with water and animals, is uh, the, the debate is ongoing in the public. And the, the treatment that the timber management crew has gotten is coming at you. That's exactly right. So before we get into all that, because, you know, I think this is a real, there's a lot of parallels. And also then there's the politics. So we got parallels, we got PR, we got politics, and we got a whole bunch more to go. And we got misinformation among the consumer and then that's used against us. Tell me real quickly the background here. Uh, I know it, but my listeners don't. You were a logger. You're, you were a family timber business and uh, in Montana, and then things changed for you back when? Uh, the, the late 80s, early 90s, America started looking at the forest, and with the help of the environmental conflict industry, 
uh, they were convinced that they needed to save the forest. And I live in a timber town. It's, it's 90 miles to the next town. We're surrounded by national forests. So what the public wants to do with their national forest dictates the future of my town. So I grew up a proud Libby logger, thought I was an environmentalist, a conservationist. If we take care of the forest, it'll take care of us, future generations. But the rest of the public was told that we were ax murdering Neanderthals that wanted to whack down the last tree. Mm-hmm. And when the public was convinced that we were not good for the forest, they removed our social license to operate. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks remember the spotted owl debates and we don't have spotted owls here, but we have grizzly bears, we have wolf, we have moose, we have bank hugging monkey flowers. We have a lot of species that America loves yep. and wants to protect and they think they're protecting them through protecting the forest. And because they convinced that the environmental conflict industry convinced the public that a chainsaw cutting down a tree, removing some of the fuel from the forest was bad, Uh, The sawmill in our town and our logging company uh, went the wrong direction. We we went bankrupt. The town is, uh, we no longer have a sawmill. We're coming back. There's a light at the end of our tunnel, and we can talk about that. So what's the, okay, so here's the deal. So it was the 30 years ago, uh, you're being impacted by this. Um, We all, and by the way, dear listener, I recorded a podcast with the Indiana Hardwood Lumberman's Association, which has been a client of mine. It was back in February when I uh, recorded that. So if you wanna go back and find that episode, I'll pull the number up here in a little bit. Uh, We talked about the conflict industry because a lot of us in production agriculture, logging, timber, cotton, corn, it don't matter, all of us, you know, um, we don't understand there's money being made and that's why I communicate this to my listeners all the time. This is an industry. This is a business for the environmental working group or the Sierra club. Those people's jobs depend on lashing out at agriculture as the common culprit, as the enemy. And then their fundraising, they'll take a picture of Bruce uh, out there and his son whacking off some trees, which is what we have to do. So we have two by fours. <laughs> and then they'll say, look at this evil. We're out here as we're the Sierra club preventing this from happening. And then people, People send in money because they believe they're doing some greater good. It makes them feel good that they are contributing. So it's an industry for those people that run the Sierra Club, the Environmental Working Group. And, and that's why you're calling the conflict industry. So anyway, I just want to clarify that, that there's an absolute business of opposing us, and it is the, how they make money, and they're non-profits. That's absolutely right. And we didn't understand that when we got into the discussion over forestry, when when the nation started discussing how to protect our forest, we thought it was an information discussion. We thought we, all we had to do was share the truth. What's going on on the ground? Yeah, you, you thought you were going to bring in, you thought you were going to bring in like timber management and forestry 101 and uh, environmental stuff that you and I learned. You know, I took forestry classes at Purdue and I'm like, what, what, wait, wait a minute. They think that just letting us all go is good? No. Yeah, and, it, and explaining to the American public, because we have learned a lot about forestry and the rest of agriculture, we have more forest land in America today than we did at the turn of the last century. And it's because production agriculture has learned how to use their ground. They're growing more stuff on less acres. And in most places in America, when you leave an area fallow, it grows trees. So because of production agriculture, the forest land in America has expanded. But Americans think we're almost out. 
And what, yeah. we, now, there's a now, lot by the way, that's that's an important distinction because that's just a complete misinformation. Just like uh, you know, uh, the the average perception is so far from reality. We've gotten better in places like Indiana. Uh, we grow more corn on our good ground. So the crappy stuff that my dad's dad would have farmed back in the 19, early 1900s. We don't need that crappy, rolling, curvy, rocky stuff. So it gets put into CRP, which can becomes trees. We have more tree acres in the state of Indiana now, as you stated, than we did in the early 1900s. Same thing out west. You, you've got more forestry land there, right? Yeah, that, that's one of the, America is one of the greatest reforestation stories on our planet. But the conflict industry convinced America that we were cutting them all down. Right. And... They don't know. We have a federally on national forest land. We have to plant six trees for everyone we harvest. We have to certify that the ground we have managed has restocked itself, or we have to go in and restock it again. So, but they don't know. We thought that was what the discussion was going to be. And Are we doing what a good job? Out? What'd you find out? We found out that they are an industry that is based on crisis and conflict. They have got to have a fight. And when we didn't understand them as an industry and started fighting back, we were exactly what they needed. We drove the story of forestry to the front page of USA Today as with our marches and our rallies and our convoys. And the Audubon Society and Sierra Club got to ask America, do you want them marching Neanderthals to whack all of the trees down? Or do you want to send us 20 bucks and we'll save the forest? Yeah. Well, guess what America picked? Yeah, gave them the $20. They and, gave them the 20 bucks. Yeah. So you learned that, and then you you were put out of business, and then uh, you're back in business. So tell me what uh, – and the thing is, you, you say, oh, well, you went through that. It's actually worse today than it was, isn't it? I, no. There, there are doors cracking open, and the reason is – uh, the, the truth is the ultimate dictator. Reality is a dictator. And what we're seeing happening right now over in California, they're saying it's unprecedented. This has never happened before, but uh, that's not true. Right. So far this year, we burned 7.1 million acres nationally, and that's a million acres over the average for the last 30 years. But if you go back 100 years, if you go back previous to Smokey the Bear and true fire suppression when we put, before we started putting everything out when the forest caught on fire, mm-hmm. we averaged over 20 million acres a year in the 20s and 30s and 40s. So we're not even halfway to what is natural. And they're saying it's unprecedented and it's climate change. And they, they found a crisis that they're going to monetize. Mm-hmm. They're making money on this. And it, it is tragic where it's happening, but it's not unprecedented. It's not unpredicted. Mm-hmm. We've known this was going to happen. If you don't remove the fuel mechanically, the trees, the crap out there in the forest floor, if you don't mechanically remove that and turn it into a two by four and sequester that carbon in a house, then nature's going to release it in a fire. Mm-hmm. Fire is nature's management tool throughout America. We live in fire ecosystems. So it's working its way out. It's cleaning up the mess of us saving the forest. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue to do that. 
Yeah, so environmentalists uh, 50 years ago uh, decided that they, we just, we, there's no, it was evil to go out there and, and cut down those trees in California. And so now 50 years later, what? They didn't get cut. Nobody was able to make a living off them. We couldn't build a house with them. Uh, we, we import timber instead of using it. So we've, we've harmed the economy. We've destroyed livelihoods. Now we've destroyed the forest. And we've also destroyed homes. And uh, some people died uh, in those homes that were built with timber that was brought down from Canada instead of being logged right there. It is the dumbest, stupidest damn thing I've ever heard. And yet the environmental crowd continues to play it. I just put on my social media yesterday, Bruce, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, of course, like I said, certain politics that lean a certain way, never let a crisis go to waste. Using the forest fires as a justification to push for a rule that says they have to have electric cars. So in 2035, you will not be able to um, buy a gasoline powered automobile in California. It is such a false equivalence. You know, um, we have a forest fire. It's because of cars. Well, that's not even that's not even reasonable. It's not even plausible. Yet the more they say these unreasonable, unplausible things, then it becomes oh, I guess it's because of cars. It's remarkable to me the stupidity of the electorate. Well, and it's remarkable to me that the expertise at marketing that the conflict industry has. They do focus groups. They do message development. They know what scares people out of 20 bucks a year mm -hmm. and what will scare them into doing things that they want them to do. And climate change is a great umbrella for fear. Mm -hmm. And it, I don't argue with people about climate change because cli our climate is changing. 15,000 years ago, there was a mile of ice over my town. <laughs> it's melted. I don't think it was cow farts. Yeah, yeah we, didn't have, we, didn't have, we didn't have cows 15,000 years ago and it did no. melt. And then, as the, by the way, as the glaciers receded, the trees started coming in and following that trail were humans, Native Americans. And they didn't like trees. They didn't eat them. The things they ate didn't eat them. Hard to travel through, hard to see their prey, hard to see their enemies. So they burned. My little valley, they burned every 10 to 12 years for thousands of years before white man showed up. And when we showed up, there were 50 or 60 trees to the acre big thick bark trees that lived through intermittent ground fires. They were surrounded by grass. So and now we have five to 600 trees to the acre and America thinks we're running out. Okay, I wanna to get to that because that's a big thing. That's about stocking density. My agricultural friends understand stocking density, whether it's uh, you know cattle or whatever, we're gonna get to that. But I gotta remind our listeners of a couple of things. This episode, is brought to you by Harvest Profit, my friend Nick Horeb up there in Fargo. It doesn't matter where he is because they have customers in 26 states and four Canadian provinces. Harvest Profit is a software solution that your agricultural enterprise can benefit from. Go to harvestprofit.com, read the articles that Nick writes, uh, use them for their 14 day free trial, see if you like it. Go on LinkedIn, the man has a great following on LinkedIn, he puts out valuable information about what his company can do for you. And that's the, that is how you are successful. You think about what your product can do for a paying customer. And that's what Nick did when he created Harvest Profit. So go to harvestprofit.com, check it out. All right, stocking density, this is a brilliant thing. Okay, the governor is in front of a bunch of 
smoky because like you said they're amazing at the optics they know that humans are not that bright and certainly not scientific so they use visuals humans are always fall for big visuals so the visual is in front of some smoldering burned up area and there's Newsom announcing that by golly we're going to get electric cars are going to be mandated in a state that has rolling blackouts because they cannot produce electricity because of environmental regulations. <laughs> We're going to all have electric cars in a state with no electricity. It's, a, it's, a, it's the dumbest thing ever, but it's all because of uh, car gasoline powered cars that we have forest fires. Not even true. Let's talk about what really did cause forest fires. You said that the native Americans used fire uh, because like you said, they had enough trees for themselves. <clears throat> You know, they need a lot to make some to make some bows, to make some arrows, to maybe build some huts or whatever it is. And like you said, they needed clearing areas because then you brought in game and then they could shoot the stuff. So you're saying that maybe a couple hundred years ago, if I had stepped, uh, if I was with Lewis and Clark, and I ended up you know stepping off the trail and running over to Libby, Montana, where you are, fifty to sixty trees per acre a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, okay. fifty to sixty trees up until the the mid 1800s. And they were thick bark trees that lived through intermittent fire and the ecosystem was defined by fire. The heat, if you went to forestry school, the heat sensitive cones of the pine tree only pop open during fire. Only so released, yes. I, I, remember, I remember learning that. I'm not the forestry guy that you are, but I do remember that there's certain conifers, that's a pine tree, that can only reproduce through the extreme heat of fire that causes the pine cone to open up. 50 yep. to 60 trees per acre, and then we went bonkers. And then we, we did some we did some harm. You know, we went in there and did some things in the late 1800s. Uh, you know, you can find old footage of that. We were, you know, uh, clearing off mountains to pan for gold. And we did some things that were not good for the environment. But logging is actually good for the environment. So take me there and talk about where logging densities are now, or I'm sorry, timber densities are now. And, and we did some old practices that we don't do anymore. The timber barons were real, cut and run, whack all the trees down and move to a new patch. That was the old style of forestry. But the original foresters were the Native Americans and we removed them from the landscape in the mid 1800s with smallpox reservations. We took fire out of the ecosystem. And then in the early 1900s, we invented Smokey the Bear and every time a little fire started, we put it out. But the forest kept growing. It kept reseeding. And instead of 50 or 60 trees, and by the way, trees are water pumps. A typical pine tree where I live sucks two to 300 gallons of water out of the ground a day. And if you have 50 or 60 water pumps, that's one thing. You have five to 600 water pumps competing for water, sun, nutrients, and you end up with a crop that is weak. It's, it, it's susceptible to disease, single event loss, things and where I live it's the the pine beetle that come through and trees that are weak fighting for water with the other water pump standing next to it they give off a pheromone that bugs can smell they drill into the bark they kill the tree and for the first time in recorded history we have more trees dying on national forests than we do growing because the crop is mature and we've known it for decades yeah so the so the trees the trees should have been harvested. And then, as you point out, if we've got 10 times the density that we, we should have, even if it was five times the density, we're then we're actually drying out the ground because uh, there's not adequate moisture because that tree's still going to take all the moisture that it can. And yep. then the trees are undernourished. Is that what I'm to understand also? Yep. And then 
then, then Newsom can say it's because of climate change and then climate change is because of cars and that isn't necessarily real, but you can making these equivalents. So then the, the humans that don't understand science and have never taken forestry 101 say, well, that's because of climate change because I drove a car. So I guess we got it. And the reality is it's because we have so many trees that then they're weakened. And of course the ground is dry because we've got too much uh, population density of timber trees. Yeah. And, and is climate changing? It's always changing. And I think we're still coming out of the last ice age. So it's warming up, but we're exacerbating the problem by not removing the fuel from the forest. If we want a natural condition in the forest, we don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. It's probably huge fires. But if we want to look at what was here when Western man, white Europeans showed up, we should probably mimic what the Native Americans did, only not just using fire. We put fire in the forest right now and, and we have five, six, 700 tons of fuel to burn per acre. Yeah. And we're seeing these fires. They're not burning like they did with the Native Americans. They're burning unnaturally huge, unnaturally hot. We have clay soils in Montana and it is burning so hot that it's getting uh, turned into ceramics. Yeah. It's going to take another ice age to pop that cap and grow a forest because we're pretending we don't have too many trees. Yeah. Too many so, water pumps. So, yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing is the, the fires are more devastating now because we we essentially just did everything that you would do if you wanted to create a big fire. Just, okay, yeah. how, how do I make a massive bonfire? Do I do I do it with dry, dead, heaping piles of stuff? You know, yeah. it'll, it, that's what we're talking about. And, and Governor Newsom avoiding the real discussion that should be held. And what we should be talking about is, okay, we've got an overstocked forest. What do we do with it? We should be removing some of the fuel, turning it into two by fours or electrons even. Put it through a biomass facility and turn it into the electricity he wants for those cars. Mm -hmm. We should be removing the fuel, then reintroducing fire. And instead, they're blaming it on climate change and telling us we, ought, we, we got to get rid of fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. That's just because it's marketing. It has nothing to do with reality. It has everything to do with marketing fear. I agree with you, by the way. I wrote a book called Food Fear. It's actually a book about the business of agriculture. If you are a listener or a viewer of the Business of Agriculture podcast and you haven't picked up your copy, you know we're heading into the we're heading into the holiday season. It makes a great gift for every agricultural person you know. Uh, you ought to pick up a copy of my book, Food Fear. We talk about the environmental and the conflict industry, in fact, in there. Bruce, the, the, I want to talk to you about the path forward, but I also want to ask you a practical question because you're the timber guy. Those soils you talked about, that the fires burned so hot that essentially took a clay type of soil and it, and it baked it. It baked it into like you would if you went to a kiln and you made a clay pot. Do they, does that, can we regenerate that? Can we regenerate that ground? Uh, it's possible, but you have to go in and break the cap. You have to get, it, it turns into a cap that allows the top soil then that's been uh, baked to run off into the, the streams, what America's going to watch during the next year in the media centers. The, the reason we're hearing about the fires now is it was California that caught on fire. Yeah. And that's important. If my town burned to the ground the same day that Madonna bared her breasts on Jimmy Kimmel, we're not the news. Yeah. But 10,000 people standing on their million-dollar home with the $6 hose in California yeah. near Napa, that's important. Yeah. So America's hearing about it. Now we're going to get to watch them deal with the water coming and washing the topsoil off of their baked soil. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to get to watch the siltation and the streams that mm-hmm. uh, they claimed they were protecting by uh, avoiding logging. By not, by not logging, yes. They protect the streams by not, like, by not managing a forest, and now the streams are going to get uh, siltation, and the forest ground is going to get washed away. And so you, that can kinda... go, you can go in and bust that, tops, that baked uh, topsoil up, and then uh, let nature replant or replant it yourself, but you got to stir some uncooked mineral soil into it. And uh, that kind of management is the very first thing that the eco-conflict industry is going to fight. You'll hear people wanting to go in and restore the land, and on national forest land, they'll file lawsuit after lawsuit to stop it. Um, yeah, this is all, uh, it's, it's what we all battle with, uh, from waters of the United States to, you know, increased regulations, you know, Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren, uh, introduced a, a bill to limit farm size. I mean, this thing goes on, 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 uh, they don't really want management. They don't really, they, they don't even understand it. They want cause. And like you said, the conflict industry funnels uh, money into this. Is there a path forward that, uh, is positive? You know, you're out here dealing with these people. You're out here working with these folks and saying, hey, here's what's going on. What, what does it get better? And there absolutely is. And that's, I wrote a book called Against the Odds, A Path Forward for Rural America. And it's how to address this. Uh, the timber industry communities, me included, we made a tragic mistake, not knowing that we were dealing with another industry that was marketing fear. We finally learned that there is a difference between fighting and leading that discussion. Mm-hmm. And we, we learned that uh, we had to listen to the public. They give us the consent to operate. So we need to listen very carefully to what the public is saying. Mm-hmm. God gave us two ear holes and one pie hole. And we were using the pie hole trying to scream our truth. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. We should have been listening. What do they think is real? Mm-hmm. What do they think the real problems are? What have they been sold? Listen to them, empathize with them, uh, tell them that we share their concerns, we're, we, we hear them, and then offer a solution to what they think the problem is. And when we're part of the solution to what they think the problem is, we can start moving forward. We did that in forestry. The public wanted to save the forest, so we helped, we listened to them, we said, we agree. And we and, uh, developed the uh, forest health initiative. And it, George Bush, before he left office, signed the most progressive forest legislation since Teddy Roosevelt. And it was designed to allow us to manage the forest to restore its health. Mm-hmm. But because we waited so long, it's going to take decades to implement it. But right. it's the light at the end of our tunnel. Vincent logging is logging again. We're removing fuel from the forest. We have a long ways to go. But the light at the end of our tunnel is a train coming at the rest of agriculture. Yeah. Because that conflict industry needs a new pinata. Yeah. Save the forest isn't selling as well as it used to. They can't make the billions off of it that they used to. So now we're watching them refine their marketing dialogue on anything that has to do with climate, anything that has to do with water, yeah. and anything that has to do with animals. That's agriculture. You're dead right. And, uh, you know, obviously people that listen to this or watch it, which, uh, dear listeners, if you haven't viewed, remember, this is a now also on my YouTube channel, which is the Damian Mason channel on YouTube. Please go there and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It doesn't cost you anything. It'll help visibility and more people will hear and see stuff just like this. But anyway, if people keep up with my stuff, they know that I tell them this. 
animal agriculture really has the crosshairs on it. You've got the de Blasio's uh, mayor of New York. You've got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, very uh, uh, vocal, and uh, she gets a ton of media, uh, the freshman congresswoman from New York. Uh, it's all about greenhouse gas, greenhouse gas, climate change, climate change, climate change, meat, 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 factory farm, factory farm, meat, climate change. So again, you keep doing this thing of equivalence, and that is their angle because they are very well coached, Bruce, on continually trying to always draw to tie these two things together. For you, it was logging, um, evil for the environment. Now it's climate change. And then, like you said, this train that's heading for the rest of us, I think it probably is more squared on meat and animal production. Uh, what am I missing? Is that right? And water. The water is the issue of the next century. So, and agriculture and water, good heavens. And it, so they, they are focused on that. And what I encourage the ag industry, all of them to do is listen to the public. What are, what are they being sold? And then become part of the answer. I call it outgreening the posers. These folks have posed as environmental leaders. They're not. Right. Uh, many of the members of those groups are. They're unknowingly supporting an effort that has nothing to do with what they think it, it's, it, it's supposed to have to do with. But yeah. But when you think about it, is, is understand that the public wants a leader. They, they want, they, they have been sold since they were five. AOC just told the public a year ago that we have 12 years to live. Uh-huh. And then humanity's doomed because of climate change. Uh-huh. We have generations that have heard that we're doomed uh-huh. and they're sick and tired. They're tired of the doom and gloom, bongo drum beating, incense burning, planet is dying crap that they've been getting since they were five years old. I, I, I was the first, I think I, I'm 51 years old. I think it began with me, the whole, uh, the whole thing that uh, we were back then it was, we we're going to have endless winter and then it switched to uh global warming, then it's now just climate change. Uh, and I got told that we were going to, yes, I, I, I shot a video about that, that um, also we were going to run out of gas. So we were doomed. We were doomed. We we're going to all be cold and, and, uh, and unable to heat our homes, etc. So I've been seeing the doom and gloom and it's always a political agenda, but it's also, as you said, a profit center, you know, Lenin, I believe it was a uh, communist leader of Russia called the, 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 the sign carriers, the useful idiots, for the conflict industry, there's the people that sit in their offices in San Francisco, Washington, D.C., wherever, uh, Chicago, and they invent the initiative through brilliant public relations, which, as you said, always uses encapsulates fear. And then it's their profit. It's their business. I mean, that's what they, like you said, get ask everybody for $20. But then you create a big visual. Again, visuals are very powerful where the, uh, the humans love visuals and they just respond to it. You get a thousand people marching outside of Vincent Logging's headquarters with signs saying you're destroying my forest. Those are people that are passionate and they need a cause. They need religion. And the thing is, they're just the useful idiots for the conflict industry. And most Americans want solutions. They're exhausted by the fight and they're, they're looking for somebody to lead them. That, that's what I encourage folks to do. I, I am an environmentalist and I'm an, I am proud to be an environmentalist. And when I talk about forestry, my goal is to outgreen the posers. They mm-hmm. want to talk about the environment. Let's have that discussion. Mm-hmm. What has production agriculture done for our planet and humanity? Mm-hmm. Let's have that dialogue. Mm-hmm. But we have to present ourselves to the public as part of the answer to what they think the solution is. We need to lead the environmental movement. If, 
If you're in the hog industry, join We Care. Mm-hmm. Uh, every environmental initiative that exists ought to be owned by us, mm-hmm. and we ought to drive that that ship. That it's it's our environment that, that we're talking about, and we need to position ourselves as leaders in that discussion. If we're seen as fighters, then we are we are the industrial complex that a generation has been told is evil mm-hmm. that's fighting back against the planet, Mother Earth. And what as long as we're in that position, we're losing. So we need to be proud of being green. I encourage everybody to start celebrating Earth Day. We ought to be talking about how much progress we've made since the first one. Uh, I led the first Earth Day in our little town. We picked up crap in the crypt going by the, the middle school. Yeah. We've come a long ways. Yeah. Caterpillar and Shell now get together and they build a diesel engine that if you park that sucker in the Los Angeles air shed, the air going in is dirtier than the air coming out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the environmental movement, and we need to lead that discussion. If we want to have the consent of the public to operate, we have to be seen as environmentally sound leaders. Last question. Uh, you and I both agree, yes, California, because it happened in California, it's the news. You know, uh, we got four inches of snow in Washington, D.C. a few years ago, and oh, my God, the, the nation was crippled. It was going to shut down because our, our esteemed legislators couldn't get to their offices. Meanwhile, in South Dakota, a freak blizzard comes in in October, drops two feet of snow. We got cattle and calves getting, you know, freezing to death. We got devastation like you can't imagine, but, oh, it's out there in South Dakota. Uh, those hicks, what do we, you know, let's talk about Washington, D.C. I, I agree the same thing. Does California start logging, or is it just too far gone? Is it just too screwed up? I, I think California is coming to their senses because they, they've had some fires in important areas, and mm-hmm. folks are t- taking a look at it, and that climate change thing is wearing thin. Just yesterday, the Fresno Daily Paper had an editorial that stated, we need to start removing some of the fuel by logging and thinning. Yeah. Selective harvest is as part of the answer to our future. That's a huge move for a major California publication. It, it so is, I, but but remember, Fresno is ag center, ag central for California. They still have their, their brains. Um, I don't know if that plays in the San Francisco Chronicle or the uh, Los Angeles Times. I think Senator Daines from Montana and Senator Feinstein from California are carrying legislation to modify our current environmental regulations to allow fuel removal to happen faster. Senator Feinstein is behind it. She understands her constituents are not not happy with the regime that they're living in. She also understands, whether she'll speak it or not, she understands that climate change is part of it. Yeah, we're warming up, we're coming out of the ice age but we have too much fuel out there. So I think, I think we're moving in the right direction with forestry. I had prayed that it didn't take uh, things like burning. Paradise, California burned to the ground. You know, that was a city of 30,000 people. And I guess I didn't know, I didn't know a town that large got whacked. I, uh, I not this year, that was a year before last. And they were threatened again. And the representative and the state legislature from that area is livid because they they know they need to remove some of the fuel around their town or they're going to yeah. burn again. Yeah. So I, it's coming around that and the public they will not accept and should not accept anti-environmental dogma. Yeah. But they do want a new leader. And that's the door for us. Walk through that door with an exhausted public and yeah. talk to them about hope for the future. And are we perfect heavens no. 
but they need to know the people in agriculture in this country are the safest, most productive, most efficient, most environmentally sound producers of food and fiber and the history of man. And we are an environmental success story. We're not where we will need to be for the future, but man, have we come a long ways. I point that out all the time. You know, we, we, this country suffered through the Dust Bowl and that was only 80, uh, a little over 80 years ago. Uh, look at what, because of our practices, what we've done now. Boy, all as, right. as a country, we another thing, we, we need to discuss imports because as a nation, if we don't want to produce for ourselves, we're gonna, we're gonna import raw products from developing countries that are long on resources, long on population and short on cash. Mm-hmm. They'll send us our crap using methods we quit using 30 years ago yep. and we'll call it green because we don't have to look at production. Yeah. If America wants to make a green choice about the stuff they eat or the things they build their house out of, they'll want it to come from America. They'll want their boards from Montana. They'll want their corn from Indiana yeah. because we are the safest, most environmentally sound choice. We are the green choice. I think I think that that's an angle, like you said, the environmental angle, but from a communication standpoint, I think that with the world being more threatening, I believe that the uh, get your stuff from us angle is probably a winning angle now as well. I agree. It's a moral obligation to produce for ourselves, and and it's a national security obligation. If, if we want to uh, have our food resources come from elsewhere, what's that do to us yeah. uh, security-wise? Uh, and I think the public is ripe for having that discussion right now. Well, it needs to be on our timber also, uh, because we know with, Canada is an exception, but you know, when we're talking about getting timber from, for God's sakes, you know, some Asian country, there's no environmental standard there. It's just that we, we don't have to, like you said, we don't have to see the forest get cut down. So we think, Oh, it's better that we didn't do this. So, yeah. um, Hey, if people want to find you, how do they do that? They can look at uh, brucevincentspeaking.com or Environomics, Environomics.com. Uh, we've got to blend our environment and the economy. Yeah, I like I that. It, I wanted to call it oikos, because that's the Greek root for eco. E- economies inside of our house, ecologies outside, they're welded at the hip. You beat one up, the other pays the price. But my wife said oikos sounds like a sick pig. So instead I called it Environomics. I like Environomics and then oikos probably would be a little bit of a challenge. You know, we got to always be clear in our marketing. His name is Bruce Vincent. Reminder that this episode, like so many before it was brought to you by Harvest Profit. Go to harvestprofit.com, check out. It's a software solution that helps agricultural enterprises run their businesses as a business more profitably, more smoothly. All of the ins and outs that you have to manage, it'll help you do that. Also a reminder that the Business of Agriculture Success Group, a new organization that I've started. We do twice per month programming. We've got two in the books and they're awesome. It's a, uh, it's a collection of agricultural professionals that get together online, just like uh, a Zoom call. And we have guest speakers, we do business discussion, we do outlook advisory, and we do idea sharing and networking. It's brilliant. I would like you to consider joining the Business of Agriculture Success Group. It's $49 for the first month, $99 a month thereafter, but you're gonna get way more value than that. So go to damianmace.com and sign up for it. Uh, His name is Bruce Vincent. Thanks for being here, man. Talking about logging, talking about environmentalism, talking about the conflict industry, talking about, like you said, the freight train that's headed toward the rest of agriculture. Look at what is going on with uh, California and the forestry crusaders, right? 
Yeah. Uh, good to see you, Damien. I'll see you on the road. All right. I hope to see you on the road. We're ready to get back to having conferences. Some of them are. Phones are ringing. All right. Here's Bruce Vence and I'm Damian Mace. Until next time, it's the business of agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the business of agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damian on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damian's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamianMason.com.